Hey, chiropractors, we're ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. All right, welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and I have a wonderful guest, Allie Taylor, on the podcast today. We're going to interview her. She is the developer and, and co, I guess, co-CEO, co-developer of JNAP, and I'm sure you've heard of, of their software. They're doing a lot of great things, and what we try to dive into today, other than some of the definitely meat and potatoes of, of how to make EHR streamline your life a little bit, but we actually really try to dive into the topic of, uh, of culture and team culture and uh, how, to, how to build that and how to also convey that to your, your customers or in our case, our patients. And a lot of times we talk about the patient experience and we talk about, you know, obviously customer service and things like that, but we don't even have the appropriate culture within our own team so how can you expect to convey that to the community when you your team is dysfunctional or is not thriving and you're not doing the things to actually have a good team culture? Uh, that's really the foundation of it. And I can attest to that with, with my practice. You know, I um, have hyper-focused over the last few years on having A players in my clinic and making sure that we all function, function together well and everybody has kind of an ownership mentality and build that team culture. And then from there, what I've noticed was that inherently, you know, transferred to the, to the community and to the patient base. And I've gotten so many compliments on my, on my team. So we dive into that a little bit. So I wanted to, you know, kind of change it up. We definitely touch on some EHR stuff, but I wanted to talk about the culture because they're doing a good job of it. We, we chatted about it. I've seen it from the outside. I can tell what they're doing in, at least in our profession, how they're doing it. Uh, I've met with them when I was at Forward in St. Louis. Uh, I've talked to other people that use their service, so I can tell they're doing a really good job with their customer service, with their culture around that. And and then we dive a little bit into the internal side of it. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Allie Taylor and we'll be keep on churning out interviews and solo episodes. I'm really enjoying this. Uh, we're, we're hitting our uh, believe it or not, our three-year anniversary this month. And so I've still got a lot of wind in the sails. I'm enjoying this podcast, doing it, uh, learning as much as I can to try to help uh, get that information out there. So I hope you're enjoying as well. If you are, I would love a rating and review. I don't ask a lot from you guys, but I would appreciate that if you could take the time. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you're getting some good information, if you could just take a minute and do that for me, I would appreciate it. All right, here's my interview with Allie Taylor. Welcome to the show, Allison. I really appreciate your time. I'm excited to have you on. I know we had met at Forward in St. Louis, at Bobby Maybe's event there, and we had a little bit of time to talk. You were, you were busy, but before we dive into everything, tell us a little bit about yourself, both personally and professionally. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's, it's an honor to be in front of your audience, actually. They are near and dear to my heart. Yeah, I'll, so my story, it's hard. It's, it's funny, personal and professional are so interrelated. So, they are. They yeah, are. personally, um, I have three children mm-hmm. and I live in Vancouver um, in oh. Canada. So we're your neighbors to the north. Yeah. Which is an interesting part of my story in general, actually, um, and how that all, that all came to be where we're selling a worldwide solution out of, out of Canada. Hey, it happens, uh, right? 
It does. And I, I actually think it's been very beneficial to us mm -hmm. uh, in many ways. Uh, I have an English degree, a Bachelor of, uh, of Arts in English Literature and a minor in Psychology, which is always surprising to people because I own a um, healthcare clinic and yeah. I started a healthcare software. But, that, <laughs> you know, your kids always say, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I'm just like, there's no way in the world you have any idea what you're going to do when you grow up. You're going to do one thing and it's going to lead to the next thing. And then you're going to find a passion somewhere and you're going to follow it. Yeah. It's like, I've, I've heard one of the best things you can teach a kid is confidence, right? Totally. And, and yeah. if you can teach them that, then the other stuff kind of takes shape from there. And pursue what you're interested in. Mm -hmm. Whatever you're doing in your life, you should be interested in it. That's what you should be doing with 90% of your time. I agree. Um, my daughter actually said she wanted to be a helper when she grew up. And I thought it was the best possible answer. Wow. I was like, you're choosing something about you that you like. And then we're going to find a profession that works with that. So then we can start to, whenever we see professions that help, we start talking about, well, maybe that would be an interesting profession for you because it's a helper role. Anyway, I, I think it, it was, it was a fantastic answer. That's great. And I'm sure many of your um, audience and you yourself probably had the same feeling. I'm sure you all wanted to be in helper roles. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And I've got my first child on the way actually coming in April. So I'm thinking about those types of things and I'm going to try to instill that onto my son. That's, that's going to be born here soon. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm excited. A big life change. Yes. Fantastic. And actually there's incredible parallels between um, raising a family and, and owning and running a business, mm -hmm. um, which we could talk about for hours in another podcast. Yeah, we're going to dive into that. One of the things I, I found interesting is that, and I didn't know this uh, prior to communicating and stuff through email, was that you you actually own a, a healthcare clinic. Yeah, so that's sort of where this kind of all started. I opened a, a clinic in 2011, the year my third child was born, and um, it's multidisciplinary. So it's physical therapy, chiro, um, massage, naturopathic medicine, midwives, my, the midwives that delivered my children work there, um, counselors, nutritionists, there's about 12 disciplines there and um, about 30 practitioners all sharing sort of eight treatment rooms. And it's still running, still going strong. And it's a really lovely little model. It's an integrated care. Um, and it's actually turned a little bit into women's health just because the midwives work out of there. So there's a constant parade of pregnant ladies um, walking in and out of the doors, which has been an interesting switch in the business model even because it's just kind of a, a revolving door of new people walking through. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, so that's been really good. And then, um, so during that process I was of opening the clinic, I was looking for online booking and electronic charting. Uh, and I knew that I knew I needed online booking because I was convincing a whole bunch of practitioners to join uh, a clinic that didn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. And the way that the world was going even back then and even more so now is people do their research online looking for care. Mm -hmm. And if they can't book online uh, and they're in pain or they need care, they're going to most likely continue to look until they can finalize that appointment. Yeah. But when they book that appointment, they immediately stop looking. So I knew online booking was a priority because I needed to fill a caseload from nothing to full for many practitioners. Uh, so that was important. And then the electronic charting, I didn't have room to store paper charts. I think electronic charting is just sort of everybody's doing it now. The very few people are still on paper. Yep. But at the time, um, paper charts paper charts are super expensive. Um, there's a lot of hidden costs that people don't think about with toner and photocopying and shredding and storage. And um, I also didn't have the physical space to store charts because I needed the treatment room to make my business plan work. I needed to fit in eight treatment rooms. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I needed electronic charting and I needed something that would work for all of those different practitioners as well. 
And um, I always say, as you know, as a chiropractor, even if you put a few chiropractors beside one another, you're all going to want to document in a different way yeah. because you all treat differently. Nobody treats the same way as the chiro that works down the street. That's kind of one of the beautiful things about, about therapy in this way is that everybody does bring their own knowledge and experience and passions to it. Mm-hmm. And you'll have your own approach. And that's what makes you such good physicians, really, is the passion behind the way that you treat and the way that you see the human body. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like part art, part science, and it comes together in this really kind of lovely way. So everyone will want to document differently because the way your brain works, you're going to want to document in a flow that works with your particular treatment style, which we, we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, I saw on your website that you call yourself the chiropractor that loves business, I think. Is that what it said? That's part of it. Yeah. You know, I, I enjoy the, the business side of it. I, it's interesting because, you know, being a chiropractor, especially if you own your own practice, uh, you, you have to have multiple uh, hats and one is being a chiropractor, which we go to school for a whole lot of time. And then you have to be good at business, which is a whole other degree. And, and then marketing, which is a whole other degree and communication, which is a whole other degree. But I think what I enjoy about the business side of things is I've always been someone that enjoys uh, building, building something yeah. and, and, and having it fi- like kind of have fire on all cylinders in a sense. So it's not necessarily I enjoy the, like I'm not a business tycoon or anything like that, but I just enjoy the processes and systems of, of developing a, a nice business. Oh, I'm with you for sure. But what I, I was wondering though, do you enjoy documentation? I hate documentation. Because <laughs> I was like, hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think I can trust him if he's a chiropractor that enjoys documentation. Yeah, no, you know, and so actually, quick real story is uh, I'm a member of Strategic Coach, which is an entrepreneur coaching group. And I've been a part of them for six years. And actually, they're based out of Canada. They're they're out of Toronto. And um, they really focus on getting their clients to, to really dive into their unique abilities and, and function mm-hmm. on that. So one of the things that I've done was I have a, a chiropractic assistant that does, I've trained her on doing this objective. So it's really, sure. uh, really helped me out quite a bit. And then I can go and do the objective and obviously clean everything up and, and then yeah. sign off. So I'm trying to streamline that, but yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of having to take notes. I was, I know I was laughing at that when I saw that. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay to love the business. I was like, but I've never in my life met a, a chiropractor that enjoys well, documentation. I was like, maybe this will be the first. Yeah. But, you know, I, I equate uh, documentation to having to pay taxes, right? <laughs> like you don't, no Every one day. likes, yeah, no many, one many, likes, <laughs> no one likes paying taxes, but you have to do it. And it's the same, same thing with, with obviously documentation. That is very true. And yeah, and yet it takes up a large portion of your day. This is what we talked about with whatever you're doing, you should be interested in it. Mm-hmm. And that's a part of, um, of chiropractic care that the, the doctors are not interested in. So it's a real slog having to work through part of your life where you... It is. And, and you know, I wanted to dive into that a little bit because what, what I'm kind of trying to, I don't want to call it spearheading, but I'm, I'm on an initiative for sure to figure out how chiropractors can stop letting this eat away at their productivity and their life and their, and their quality of life and their uh, enjoyment of work. You know, if I, if you ask a hundred chiropractors or even a thousand, you know, what's the one thing you can remove from your life and you would enjoy practice more. It's, it's definitely documentation. So every single one. (laughs) And that's, that's um, across, that's around the world. Like that's not, that's not unique to any country. It's yep. actually not even unique to every any discipline. You could ask that to physical therapists and mm-hmm. um, and like anyone in the medical profession. I would yep. say that that's a large part of it. 
So what are a few things that you feel like with, with JNAP that have, uh, are helping chiropractors streamline that a little bit? Well, documentation is a fascinating conversation because you also have to balance it with the needs of um, insurance billing and documentation mm -hmm. requirements. So that's what makes it such a, a difficult thing to do well as a software. And for chiropractors specifically, it's an area that we're definitely, like we have um, two new features in the works uh, and we're continuing to refine them. But again, when we talk to different chiropractors, they all have different needs. And a lot of the needs come from what their previous software could do. So people tend to build up workflows and routines around whatever the tool is that they're using. And even if it's not the best tool or the best routine, they know it. And so you can get really fast at doing something, even if it's not designed very well. Yeah. So then we have to sort of, I call it like detoxing or uh, <laughs> what's it called when you go through, when you're in quarantine With or when you get sprayed down when you leave something. It's just like this idea yeah. that you have to sort of erase everything from your brain in order to actually enter a state of mind where you can say, well, what would actually be the best way to do this and not just the way that I've seen before? So we get a ton of feature requests that just are people asking for what they've seen before. Mm -hmm. So it's balancing that with what are they trying to do and what's really the best approach. So we have, so people call it macros. And when they say macros, they mean, in, especially in Cairo, they mean kind of three different things. They either mean shortcut keys that create longer sentences, mm -hmm. or they mean um, like sort of a wizard where you check through it and then it creates narrative charting. Mm -hmm. Or they mean uh, like a drop down that has sort of saved replies in it. So it, depending on who you're talking to, they'll all use the same words and it will mean different things. Yeah. But the reality is everyone wants to be able to enter the most comprehensive information in the least amount of time with the least amount of effort. Mm -hmm. And everyone wants to do it in a different way because we're all different and we all have different preferences. Some people are fast typers and some people are not fast typers and some people yeah. want to click and some people don't want to click and some people want trees and some people don't. Mm -hmm. So the way that we've approached Jane's charting is really through a templating system with the idea that because everyone's so different, they should be able to build their templates to suit their practice. And so, and we have a, a template library. So okay. if you create a fantastic template, you can share it into the library. There's over, I think there's over 10,000 templates in there, which is oh, wow. a little bit overwhelming, but they're all peer contributed. So mm -hmm. it means practitioners who use Jane create a template. They can choose whether or not they want to share it. And once it's in the library, you can pull it in and you can use it. And you can either use it as is, or you can edit it so that it's mm -hmm. more specific to how you practice. Yep. And so they can be so complex or they can be so simple and it really depends on your style and how detailed you want to be in your documentation. Mm -hmm. So we recommend like if people have to obtain a consent, just put a little consent checkbox. If verbal consent is sufficient for whoever it is you're working with, you can say verbal consent for treatment obtained, you can check it off. And so it just makes it, you know, a little bit faster to go through all of the kind of the hoops you have to jump through in your documentation. Perfect. No, that makes sense. Yeah. That's but we're always looking to improve it. And for Kairos in, in particular, because there's so much documentation, because mm -hmm. you see so your traffic is so high, like a, yeah. a very busy chiropractor could be treating hundreds of patients a day, which, and if you think about like, <laughs> even if a chart note takes two minutes, this is why it's such a, it's such a pain in the butt. For well, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because what's happening is even a chiropractor that's, let's say, seeing 40 in a, in a day where most of our audience are, you know, we lump them into kind of evidence-informed chiropractors. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, 
And so they tend to, you know, do a little bit more than just a, a quick adjustment. But uh, either way, uh, what's happening is insurance reimbursement in the states, especially, has gotten so low in most most yeah. of our states. It, it's weird down here, obviously. Like, it, oh, I'm yes, yeah, yeah, I'm fully yeah. aware. Like, I actually think it's fascinating, and it's yeah. There's so much room to be helpful there because mm-hmm. it's so. It's a confusing system. It is, you know, like I'm in the state of Florida, which is a, a, it's a, it's on the higher end of cost of living and cost of running a business, but it's not California, New York, or Illinois, or some of those other ones. But our reimbursement is so low that you have to see more people, but there's really not a lot of profit margin. And so you're like, I got to get the 40 or 50 people a day to, to really sustain this practice. And then, yeah, like you said, if it takes you one or two minutes to do a note, you start adding a lot of time. It, it gets crazy, especially if you're seeing a high amount of new patients need to do those initial reports. Uh, it can get tricky for sure. Yeah, we're seeing a, lo- a bit of a movement towards cash practice, um, mm-hmm. especially as deductibles on plans become so high. Yeah, so like, that's what I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's it's really interesting that you have to become a teacher, not only um, in their health, as mm-hmm. far as like their, the care of their spine and their body, but also in how their insurance plans work. Yeah, yeah so exactly. So you have to kind of do all this advanced math for them to say, well, if your deductible is this high and have to pay, you have to charge this rate, you're gonna have to pay this much. But if we go cash rate, you know, it's, it's fascinating how much work that is for a business oh, yeah. owner. It's a On lot. Of, so you do that, you do your documentation, and then you also do your treatment. And then you're running your business in the evenings and weekends around a full case, like a full care schedule. It's, and yeah, it's, uh, I think this is why when I said at the very beginning that they have my heart, Mm -hmm. I, the small business owner, especially in the healthcare space, it's, it's in, it's in my blood in a way that I don't think I could ever leave this world in a job. I was talking to somebody who was working in payments, like payment solutions, like credit card processing. And they were, they'd left payments and gone into a different career path. And then they said they had to come back. They were like, I can't leave this. This is what I love to do. It's in my blood. And it made me think about what was in my blood. So let me, I want to go back. We're going to, we're going to come back to this. What was the, obviously the impetus of developing your own software is because of the needs you had in your own practice. When did this actually become a a second oh, yeah. business for you. You only got halfway through that story. <laughs> um, my, so at the time, my co-founder, Trevor, he um, was running a marketing agency and they were doing my branding, yeah. my website, sort of that whole side. I think I had stationery. Mm-hmm. I think I had letter, like actual envelopes printed at the time. Uh, and I was really frustrated by the options that were out there. And I just kept showing him all of these really horrible solutions. But because I was... I was really building a beautiful brand in a beautiful space and I didn't want to jump people off of my, uh, my branding onto some sort of generic online booking website that Mm -hmm. didn't flow very well. So six weeks before I was set to open, he was like, well, we could just build you something as part of your website. So he scoped out the project and kind of, and then gave me a, a price and then we did it. So then he, he built in six weeks, uh, him and another or kind of built the whole scheduling, online booking and charting um, documentation part. And then I just used it for a year and a half. So it just became, it was just part of my website. It didn't have a name at the time. It was just... Speaking of which, how did you come up with the name? (laughs) Jane? Yeah, Yeah, that was quite a branding exercise. We we went through many, many names. One of them Mm -hmm. was Doctopus. 
It's kind of cute. Um, we had like a little logo with a octopus with lots of arms doing lots of things. Yep. Well, we knew most of the the other options in our space were things like um, practice fusion, practice mm-hmm. perfect, clinic master, clinic server. You know, all of these sort of generic clinic-y words yep. sort of together. And we had some of those on our list too. Um, mm-hmm. Like I think front desk, and we had a few that were sort of more in that realm. But we knew we wanted to be something that stood out from that as something different. And we also knew that we we really wanted to center Jane around being helpful mm-hmm. to your practice, like almost like another person. Ah, I like yeah. it. So the idea was and to personify Jane, which has actually worked very well. And to give Jane this feel of, yeah, exactly, being a helper in your practice. For and, you. your, and your goal will be to have Jane be as synonymous with helping as, say, Siri and Alexa, right? <laughs> exactly. So that, well, that for real, that was part of it. So mm-hmm. Trevor really wanted it to be something that would become part of the vernacular of the clinic. So instead of saying it's in the schedule or it's in the software or whatever, you would say it's in Jane or, or check Jane or Jane has it. Ah. Um, and the idea would be that, yes, Jane as a name, as a brand would become just synonymous with practice management software as the ultimate top of the mountain dream goal where uh, Jane is Jane is practice management software becomes yep. the same thing. So that's um, great. Yeah, it, it's worked. You know, it, only recently, though, we've had a few people comment and say, well, it's rather sexist. Well, you know, we're in 2020, and it's, I, like. <laughs> well, I thought that was interesting because it never occurred to me. And you know what my response was? I don't know if I can swear. Can I swear on you? You can podcast? swear. We just put a nice little <laughs> E on the episode. I was like, Jane's a fucking powerhouse. Like, <laughs> I am proud that Jane yeah. has a female name. I'm yeah. like, do you know how awesome she is and what she can do? Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, as a like, I was such a strange comment to me because I was, I'm like, I'm so proud Jane has a, a female name. She's well, it's it's sometimes it's it's become too much with it, you know, not to, to dive too much into it. But I, I uh, Ryan Holiday is one of my favorite authors, and he's a stoic guy, and he just had a podcast, and and he tends to be more on the let's call it the left leaning side of things. But he was saying how if you're too woke, you're not awake. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was talking about how it's just sometimes it's just going too far. Like, you know, it's like you should be able to name something Jane app and not have anybody question that. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I, I understand the the reasoning that for thinking of sexist is because it's like a receptionist. I think they're thinking, oh, it's like a receptionist. Yeah. Which in their mind is like, and that shouldn't be it. And I think we did actually have some boys' names on our list too. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Uh, Jane, just, Jane just worked. It was also simple. It was easy to spell. When you're naming your child. Yeah. I'm sure you're having this conversation a lot right now. Actually. Yes. Yeah. We, we, the name? yeah, Brandon. And we had, oh, a whole, yeah, we I had a whole it. strategy around it was, uh, you know, we'll get a little sidebar here. So my name's Kevin, my dad's name's Kevin, my mom's brother's name's Kevin. So mm-hmm. I come from a very both sides I, Irish Catholic family. And so everybody had the same name, brother. My dad's got a brother named George. My mom's got a brother named George. So one of our things was, is we're picking a name that no family members or close friends had. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't want a too, too common of a name like Kevin or John. And then we didn't want too trendy of a name. We wanted a name that was good as a kid and good as an adult. And then it just had to go well with my last name. And so we checked off all the boxes with Brandon and we liked it. Did you give him a middle name, Kevin or George? Uh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, throwing the family names in there. He's no, not going to be no. Kevin, Kevin, George, Christie. No, 
<laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that was, that was our strategy. That's a good one. I know I always did the, it has to be easy to spell because mm -hmm. you don't want to be spelling your name your whole life. Although some people love the unique spelling and that becomes part of their personality too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Although, so my middle son's name is Liam, which is now the second most popular name. That's a very common one. Yeah. Country or something. Mm -hmm. So I know I have an Avery Liam and a Jonah, but it is naming. It's a, it's a tricky thing for your kids, but it, and it felt that way actually for the, for Jane as well. It was, yeah. an, it, it was a throwback to. Well, it's, it's on the topic. It's tricky. Like chiropractors trying to name their own practices. Yeah, they have a big sure. time struggle with it. And sometimes yeah. they come up with names that are very obscure or sometimes they just default to their last name. You know, nothing right or wrong. I'm just saying it's like, it's, it's always a challenge to pick the right name. Totally. I actually don't um, have a, I mean, so I, I usually have strong opinions on everything. I say I have strong opinions. I hold them loosely mm -hmm. and I can change them to the exact opposite opinion. If I get a new piece of information so I just feel strongly about everything. But I do think that um, the healthcare practitioner builds a lot around the trust of their name. Mm -hmm. And so name, putting your name in your practice, I don't think is the worst thing ever. It so, just, yeah, it just depends on what your, what your goals are. If you're trying to open up like 20 locations or have. Very different. Of, and, we're, and for to sell, the exit plan for practitioners is, it's a tricky one because your associates tend to not have enough money to pay for your practice. So you have to figure out some sort of succession billing system or mm -hmm. which can be challenging and you have to plan that like three years in advance yep. i know i was thinking about this for jane so mm -hmm. a real um i have so many things that where we'd love to go with jane yeah i'm always on the way of like how can we be the most helpful mm -hmm. but i well, was thinking the clinic marketplace would be so fascinating like trying to help practitioners with exit plans like what do you well, do with your clinic when you're ready to retire yeah and it's a big topic and and yeah. i've i've interviewed uh, a couple companies uh, regarding that 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 sell and buy practices and and we one of the topics we brought up was you know, your marketing strategies and having all those documented, because if you came to the table with your profit and loss statements and your W-2s and all that type of stuff, but you also came with documented marketing plans over the years and you had, yeah, a huge, yeah. Yeah, you had a huge email list, yeah. you had a great following on Facebook sure. and yeah. all your systems are in place, then that's really going to help benefit the, the exit true. strategy. So Yeah, it's, and it's not something that people think about, although I do find in the chiropractic world, there tends to be so many family practices that gets passed on to the kids. Have you noticed this? Is this a thing in Cairo? Brandon's yeah. going to become a chiropractor. This is just like inevitable. Yeah, it happens a lot. I'm wondering if it's going to continue as much just because the kids, and this is me speculating, but the kids born to the chiropractors, like the, the, the kids, this, I shouldn't call them kids, the adults mm -hmm. that are now chiropractors, let's call them 26 years old up to 40, were probably born to chiropractors that were in the 80s and 90s and things were really nice and dad and mom made oh, great livings as chiropractors and right. it was just like really, really fun and easy and all that. Now, I think- It's more of a struggle. Oh yeah. And, and a lot of, you know, chiropractors are doing great and it's, there's a really exciting time for the profession in a lot of ways, but if you're not careful, it can be quite a bit of a struggle. Plus you layer on the $250,000 in student loans in the States, yeah, yeah. the risk rewards gets a little tricky. So I, I'm just wondering how many chiropractors now that are having kids or have kids that are younger, if they're going to make that recommendation. And, it, and I'm not just talking about chiropractic. I'm talking about healthcare in general. Absolutely. Yeah. So, we used to, well, and we're seeing that swing, the cash practice, the insurance struggle, we're seeing it across disciplines. We're used by thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of practitioners in the U S and 
I, one of my favorite things is no matter where we go, we walk into a clinic and it feels mm-hmm. the same. Like it doesn't yeah. matter if you're in Canada or the UK or Australia or the US, there's a real, there's a similarity between all oh, of these. Yeah. And it's, and sometimes it's just different zeros. You know, I have friends that are orthopedists and yeah, like they make more money and they got a lot more revenue and they got bigger ticket items. But if you compare that practice now versus 15 years ago, they were making double and triple before and now they're not. And so it's the same, it's still a very big struggle. It's just that there's different zeros at the end of their <laughs> revenue than ours, yeah. but it could still be, it can still be stressful. So all the um, things we talked about before are the same, right? They have to run their practice. They have to do their documentation. They have to do all those things. They have to market. They have to figure out their new patient strategy. They have to manage staff, man, that is one that no one ever teaches you about. Yeah, it's know. hard. It's people. hard. I would say the the one we have of the hundred people now at Jane. There's a hundred staff, so we're managing people at a whole different level than I ever did in clinic ownership. Which so fascinating. I want to touch on that because one of the things that you do well is company culture, and um, you know we could probably sit here and hammer out all the benefits and features of Jane app uh, all day long. And I know there's a lot of great ones, but one of the things that I'm hearing across the board with a lot of the chiropractors that I work with, some of the groups I'm affiliated with, the folks that are using Jane app and implementing it is that they, they feel that same sense of company culture. Not only is it happening internally for your hundred team members, but it's kind of, uh, spilling out into the uh, end user and they can feel like, okay, they're always looking to uh, develop, listen to us, grow, uh, optimize, things like that. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. And I, uh, that it warms my heart so much to hear that. I, um, when Trevor and I started, it was sort of just two of us. Mm -hmm. And so of course I was doing every email and every phone call and every demo and driving an hour to do a 45 minute demo for someone that was going to pay us like $70 or less a month. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's the relationship that you build. And so of our first 200 customers, none of them have canceled zero. Oh, wow. Um, which is kind of phenomenal. And I, one of the things I was the most worried about as we grew was that we would lose that feeling Mm -hmm. of relationship with our customers because it does obviously get harder as you have more customers there to know everybody at that level. And so part of the training that we, like our support team goes through three months of training before they actually are allowed to sort of work it on their own and they have to pass tests. And, and part of that is really trying to make sure that they're empathizing with the customer. And I think because it's so much of my heart is um, having run a small business and knowing kind of all that goes into that part of it is, is empathizing with that. But I was quite worried that the feel that that feel that Jane cares about you mm-hmm. would we'd have a hard time scaling that. That was something that I wasn't sure how we would be able to scale. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things that we've been talking about internally is that the culture that we have internally translates externally. And I'm sure you see that in your practices too, that you work with. Yes. If they are not kind to their staff, mm-hmm. if your staff are not uh, supported and communicated with and feeling like connected to the business, that will absolutely spill out into patient care. Yeah. And can I, I want to touch on that real quick because it's true. Uh, What happens a lot of times in healthcare and you see it all across the board is, is they hire uh, team members. They, they really pay them as little as possible. Try to get Mm -hmm. like the lowest as possible. They don't have really great hiring skills. And so they, they bring some, you're you're like, Oh, they quit. Just who the first person to walk in the door. I'm going to do the job. Like someone needs to sit there. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. And so they just don't build a really good internal team around it. Even if it's, if you're just starting out as you and a person sitting at the front desk, or if it's maybe it's you or your spouse that are kind of bootstrapping yeah. this, like you got to add team members that actually care, that are intrinsically right. motivated yeah. and, and then you treat them right, like you said. And so I think chiropractors need, and this again, this is healthcare, but I specialize in working with chiropractors is they need to really focus on that because it's amazing what the patient senses, either good or bad, right? Well, I think that's so, it's interesting that you say that because it's another area where I'm like, we can help with this because we built, we have, oh, sorry about that. We have a full team, like a full education team on our team. Part mm -hmm. of our 100 people is um, people that are working on educational content um, and the training and that they do that for both external. So the content that we have on our guide and the videos, they just um, launched a practitioner training course and a front desk training course so that your staff can just sit down and go through a course and you don't mm -hmm. have to train them on Jane. Yep. Um, but one of the things I was talking to them about is in our internal training, we do a lot of like we I've just pulled in articles that I think are important about what it's like to be to work in a company that you want to be a part of. So different readings through that. And then when and as part of their training, they read them and they do a little reflective. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, let's put that in our external training too. like clinics need their front desk staff and their admin staff to be thinking about this as well, not just learning how to use Jane, but also learning how to help grow a business and create a culture that they want to work in and all the things that we train our staff in. I'm yep. like, I'm so excited about just, we're doing all this work. I'm like, let's share this with our clinics because they could use this help too. So I'm working at like layering that into our training, our external training. Mm -hmm. So your staff, like when you hire someone, they can go through not just learning how to use Jane, but how to be a great employee, how to contribute yep. positively to their workplace how to deal with conflict, like all the things that are important skills to have that you're not, your receptionist may not be trained in. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. I've got a lot of our systems uh, in place, but not organized well. And so I'm actually, um, I'm investigating something called, and I think they're out of Canada too, kind of you know, I know we talked about all the best things. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, Shopify, like there's all kinds of good stuff. Out of yeah, I know. Everyone's coming to Vancouver now. All the, uh, yeah, US are a lot of good businesses. I, we actually use this thing, uh, an exercise portal called Kyramove by Physiotech. Mm -hmm. They're out of Canada, but the one I'm talking about is Process Street. I'm not sure if you've heard of them and that's process.st. It's pretty affordable, but it's just really, it's a platform for businesses to run their systems on and like have it there and then trainings. And so like right now I've got my virtual assistant building it out. And if I were to hire a front desk person, all of the stuff's there. You can employ yeah. you can videos, you could have, all, I mean, checklists, all this stuff. And so it essentially is going to be the documentation hub of my, of my practice so that you can scale it, right? For sure. Yeah, because it, that's, every time you're training someone, and I always say, if you have no documentation, the next time you bring a new person in as part of their onboarding, have them document everything they're learning. Mm -hmm. Because at least then it's a time that your documentation is so hard. Like it's hard to do it. It takes a lot of time, yeah. but it can save time later on. I actually really loved your, all of your, I think, I don't know what you called them, your strategies. Mm -hmm. basically the way that you look at um, marketing yeah I was I loved it was they're kind of um they're kind of uh ethics based almost there well that's the biggest thing oh yeah. yeah we got the the MCM tenants the tenants of modern that's marketing tenants. that's right that's yeah I love them because yeah. I I find marketing can be challenging but I'm obsessed right now with the idea of communication and trust I'm reading a really amazing book called who you are is what you 
or what you are is who you do, who you are is what you do, mm-hmm. one, one way or the other. It's really good. But he talks um, in the book a lot about how communication needs is the amount of um, communication that's required is reversely proportionate to how much trust there is in the relationship. Oh, that's 100%. And so when you think about communication, sometimes people are like, well, you just have to communicate. And I'm like, well, actually, if you're not communicating in a way that engenders trust, you're, you could be doing damage by communicating. If you're communicating poorly or if you're not communicating in a way that engenders trust, there's really no point. Like you're actually could be. Or, or if you're communicating through like messenger or text or email to. Oh, to, yeah. That just doesn't, you know, the, you lose the, the affect sometimes. Yeah, sure. We be. have a distributed team. So we, we, there's a, we're, we're mostly in one office in Vancouver, but we have about 10% of our team that works in various cities mm-hmm. remotely. And so communicating across different formats is definitely something that we have to think about and how that comes across. But yeah, for marketing, for clinics, for sure, what you put out there is so important. This is your brand. I'm a bit obsessive with it about Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, this is your brand. This is your voice. This is who you are in the community. Mm-hmm. We have a strict no negativity. If you're connect, actually, if, yeah, if any of our clients are even out there speaking negatively, I, I will reach out and be like, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah no, no absolutely and but i think that comes back to the communication that you do have with the end user which is which has been really good and then at the same time taking that mindset of the systems and making it as streamlined as possible for the chiropractor you apply that to the to the ehr because that's that is a system and and it's usually a broken system for most chiropractors so if they can get their ehr system to be really optimize and, and, and systemize and, and not add to their issues, that's a huge step in the right direction. Yeah. And last thing I'll say about that is that I often say to people, you know, Jane's not going to be perfect for sure. And, um, but chiropractic in the U S is one of our top two fastest growing markets. Mm-hmm. It's a big, it's a big segment for us. And so when I talk to Kairos and I'm like, you know, there's things for sure that aren't perfect, but I guarantee they're important to us. Because your success and your happiness with Jane is our business plan. Yeah. Like that's more important than, to us than anything else. So we're very aligned on that. And so when we have that, the trust and that relationship, and when you built that through great support or through conversation, what we find is people are a little bit um, more willing to hang on through, I call them ripples. So I'm like, nothing's going to be perfect but we're going to work as hard as we can to fix things as they come up and then to make things better. And we're not, we're just getting started. Like what what you see is Jane today is not even near done. Which is great. Which is great. And then could you just like kind of in a bullet point list, what are a handful three to five big things that chiropractors are desiring in their EHR system? Um, like the things that they most like about Jane right now. Yeah, like, that or yeah. just what you're hearing, like what you're hearing from them. Like, what are they saying? I, I, I'm, I'm glad it has this, or we need this, or just in general, like, yeah, that that Jane does offer for them. Yeah, well, I think for us, a big one for Jane is that we're web based, so you can access Jane from anywhere on any device, and that's, that's huge. Great. That's helpful. Yeah, and then we're also very well-priced for the chiropractic world. So I think people are really enjoying the fact that we are supporting their business with their bottom line, which can be tricky as we know for practices. We, we, because I was a clinic owner, I'm very sensitive to that. Um, Actually before Jane started, I was looking at franchising my practice because it felt like the only way to make a clinic really, really grow into anything is to take that model and, and plant it in multiple places. 
because I, you know, clinics have a, they have a ceiling. Like there's only so much space. There's only so many people you can see. There's only so much you can do to get your margins down. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so I think the, the price is helpful. It's, uh, it starts at $74 a month and oh, that's great. Just month to month, with no contract. Um, so you can, if it, and we, this is what we also say, we're like, we want you to stay cause you want to stay. It's like having a girlfriend that you're like, okay, fine. You can leave me in a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's going to be like the worst possible relationship. Well, for that yeah. Like there's definitely some out there, EHRs out there that like lock you in and, and then they hold your stuff hostage, which is crazy. Yeah. And, and there's sunk loss costs. Like if you pay a huge upfront fee, even if you're not happy, you'll stay just because you want to get value out of that money, yeah. which is a weird concept because you're actually, you're now you're unhappy. Now you've spent mm-hmm. money and you're torturing yourself. So at some point it's best to just kind of Cut it yeah. off well, I, I, I kind of brought this up in my Facebook group about it's the same way with some of these chiropractic coaching groups. You know, I do some one-on-one coaching and some of these have like five-year agreements and they have, yeah. more, they have more attorneys than they do employees. And it's I like, it's it, and they hold you to it. And I, I've heard of some chiropractors just really struggling just to stay afloat and they still won't get it's it's just it's it's crazy so that is shocking and i'm i know and i i mean we're all humans and so i think everyone should be treated with respect based on their circumstance and their situation Mm, so yeah so the price is really um attractive and most people just say jane's enjoyable to use because my co-founder Trevor is, was the main developer from the beginning. He still um, manages the code team and the design of Jane. And so there's a real intentional uh, design where we want to make you, 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 you should be enjoying using your software. And then ideally you're, you should be looking very professional to your patients. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you present professionally as a brand, it does change the way your patients view your practice. So Every, all the emails are nicely templated and come with your branding and your colors and um, same with your online booking and that whole side of things. That's cool. Yeah. And the online booking, I assume, is integrated with the schedule? It is, of course, yeah. yeah. And that's why web-based, we started in the web world, so we didn't have to transition to it, which mm-hmm. gives us a, a little bit of an advantage from softwares that were more legacy because mm-hmm. it's hard it's hard to change that. Um, and then the electronic charting, of course, people can access home or so speaking of if you have to run off and do something you can still go and do your charting later in the evening without having to be in the office mm-hmm. if you have to cancel your day and you're sick you can do it from home uh, and all the reminders are included so we have text reminders and email reminders it's all part of the price we also don't believe in you know finding lots of other ways to kind of up the fee so <laughs> what you see we're pretty um, stable with that. I won't name names, but I know some that it's just like, yeah, it's only this, but to actually make it functional, it's you have to add six trip. modules. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> yeah. that's a bit of a struggle for us because there's people that want to like a simpler version. So that we have two versions. One's yeah. basically like if you're doing insurance billing, you use one. If you're not doing yeah. insurance billing, you use the other. Okay. And it's not so much an upsell. It's just like, well, if you don't do insurance billing, you don't need all the insurance features. So Absolutely. It's just more that you don't need that. Perfect. But I'm still I'm looking at maybe if if I should try to add a, a even lower tier plan. I just can't. I haven't quite figured out the pricing on that yet. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, that sounds great. You know, I, I really appreciate the information. You know, I think the the biggest thing that you guys have done has made it a kind of an enjoyable experience, whether it's using the notes in your private practice or communicating with your you and your team 
or growing together because that is part of a relationship with EHR is mm-hmm. is growing together and seeing consistent improvements and getting feedback uh, from the end users and, and obviously implementing those because just the I mean it's just technology right like you, it, it, totally. you it changes constantly yeah you can't do yeah. you can't do now what was 2015 and then you can't expect to do now what it will probably be around in 2023. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's just always going to be better and evolve and, and new things come out. So that's uh, exciting. So, and then, you know, something like the online scheduler part, mm. I'm just going to kind of wrap it up with this and you can kind of make mention of it, but that is a really good patient experience thing. It's, it's amazing what that does for a practice and for the patient and just really decreasing the amount of hurdles to get onto your schedule is really helpful. Yeah. And we have lots of stats on that. The most popular online booking time, as you would imagine, is like 10 PM. Yeah. And, that, and so I always say this Sunday, like before I had online booking Sunday, people would call in in pain, mm-hmm. leave a message. By the time you called them back the next morning, they couldn't make it anymore or they'd already got like found something else. Yeah. And so even just though, even just, capturing a couple of those people it pays your whole it pays off your software for the whole month or think about the fact that you can decrease the amount of phone calls coming into your front desk person yeah it's huge i have over half my appointments at my clinic now are booked online i have one front desk staff at a time yeah i mean so if you have a busy practice you could almost you know uh have one less person in a lot of ways so yeah exactly yeah that's cool. what I, I think I managed to do that. Anyway, I know we're done. We have to go. I would like to see a picture of Brandon when he is born. Oh, definitely. It'll be all over social media. No, I'm not going to try to do that, but uh, I'll definitely get a picture. Um, you know, I really appreciate your time. I'm going to be stopping by uh, your booth. I know you won't be there, but at Parker that's Vegas. Perfect. Yeah, that's yeah. right. John uh, and Aaron Vanilla will be there. Like I said, they're the some of the best. You got to go see them. Definitely. And then will you be in uh, at Forward this year in the summertime? You know what? We are having our conference the exact oh, same Actually, year. I knew that because Bob, I think Bobby's going to your conference. Steve, Bobby's coming, yeah. Yes. It's, it's so unfortunate. John's yeah. coming too, actually. You know, I, I don't know if, if you know, but Bobby and I are business partners. In oh, he's so chiro- wonderful. Yeah, the Chiropractic Success Academy. So we talk all the time and we'll be having dinner in Vegas and stuff. But he. Well, you should come for the conference too, for the one day. I can't believe it's the same weekend. I know. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be manning a, a, a station oh. in, in oh. his event there we're, he's got a really cool thing going on where we're gonna have like a lounge area where some of us that uh have some input on things to do for your business will be lounging around maybe having a old-fashioned here and there and and trying to <laughs> that now you're speaking my language some young chiropractors you do out. an old-fashioned get it with buffalo trace oh that's what i do do you yeah so I good. you don't get a canadian whiskey how dare you <laughs> well there's the crown there's the rye yeah that one's a pretty good one, actually. All actually, right. I just got a couple of bourbons from Brooklyn that are phenomenal. There you go. I got a $1,000 bottle of Japanese whiskey oh, for a wedding. I was in a, a buddy's it. wedding. That's and good. the ironic part about it, when he got it for us, groomsmen, it was only worth like 300 But And he never shipped it to us because he was living in London. And then he moved to the States. And by the time he got it to us, it was 1000 he said wow. he, would, he wouldn't have gifted it to us if it was that much. Have you, are you drinking it? <laughs> no, not yet. That's my college. That's gonna be my. That's gonna be my kid's college uh, tuition fund. Oh, dude, Nikkei in a barrel is like the best for the Japanese for the well priced. Although the yeah. cafe one's so good too. All right, know, well, we'll, another podcast. Another yes, time. we're and then we'll we'll have to run into each other at a conference and we'll have we'll have Absolutely. some. Absolutely. 
So, all right. Well, how can uh, our audience uh, find you guys and, and reach out and, and, and have any questions or start to use your, your, your app? Oh yeah, we're uh, jane.app is the website and there's tons of videos online so people can kind of get a feel for what it looks like. We try to show Jane as much as we can. And then they should, if they want to book a demo, our team's fantastic and can walk them through and answer any questions. We also have a, a demo site so people can log in and play around with fake data and they can, if they book a demo or get in contact with the team, they can get access to that. Uh, and then like I said, we're, we're on the constant road to improvement. So even if they choose not to go with Jane, I always ask that people send me feedback on where they were hoping for improvements. And then I'm, I hope that, you know, we can win them in the future. Like I said, coming second is the most motivating thing for me. I like it. I like that mentality. I have no doubts that you guys are going to be continuing to do great, amazing things in the profession. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that journey. Yeah, thanks. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Thanks for tuning in today. Please be sure to check our redesigned website at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com. Stay up to date with our blog where content is regularly added by Kevin and guest contributors. You can also access our library of podcast episodes there. Go to www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com and subscribe to the podcast today. This is the podcastfactory.com.